umgoblue.com by fans for fans since 1999 hello welcome to this edition of the umgoblue.com podcast this is phil callahan along with clint derinder and we're going to discuss michigan's big maze out victory over the university of washington michigan winning by a score of 31 to 10 and clint i have to say Prior to the season, when we were doing our projections, I had thought Michigan would struggle in this game and possibly lose, and I'm very happy to be wrong. So uh, what did you think about what we saw on Saturday? Yeah, I echo exactly what you said, number one, is that I'm glad I was wrong in the preseason about this game. I I think uh, it's a little bit of, um, you know, on both ends, I think Michigan right now has come together a little bit more quickly than I expected on both sides of the ball. And they look clean and sharp, sharper than, than I would have expected in the second week. And, uh, you know, the most baffling thing specifically to this game and, and their first game is just Washington's offense is so bad. Um, with five starters returning on an offensive line and a quarterback coming back, that offense just looks terrible. So I, I, I know they've got some injury problems at receiver, um, so that, that offense is going to be better than what we've seen the first two weeks, but still that that's bad. Um, so there's still some questions hanging out there because Michigan has beaten a, a, a Mac school and uh, a team that has looked bad and lost to an FCS team in week one. Um, so a lot of caveats still floating out there. A lot of, uh, hand wringing still, uh, that I know we'll get into on the details, but being two and oh with two really resounding victories and, and, and confidence building victories where you just run and steamroll right over top of, of your opponents uh, for eight straight quarters, you know, uh, sign me up, uh, you know, keep doing it. I'll, I'll take two more in a row too. You know, as we said, after last week's victory, I'd much rather be uh, undefeated and trying to find things to nitpick than, coming off a loss and trying to find things to polish up and, and explain that maybe it's not so bad. I mean, after last season, that was really disappointing. It's really great. You know, I had a, a, a friend ask me today, he's like, isn't it great to have a Monday where you feel great as opposed to feeling sick to your stomach like last season? And, and I have to agree. I mean, there's definitely things that, you know, we're going to talk about things that can be improved, but, Again, if you'd asked me a month ago if Michigan, you know, how I'd feel if Michigan was undefeated and if you'd told me how much they had outscored opponents, I'd be pretty darn happy. So, you know what? I'm, I'm going to be pretty darn happy for a little bit. And, and, of course, we can talk about the things that we might want to do a little differently. But, uh, again, let's, let's, uh, let's bask in being 2-0. Yeah, and I, and I think – Really, we have to give a lot of credit where it's due, um, even with the the caveats applied that we talked about. Number one, as of right now, the offensive line looks uh, significantly sharper and cleaner in their execution to me than certainly all of last year, which which injuries wreaked havoc and, and never really had a chance last year. But even when comparing... Um, some really good offensive lines in 2019, 2018, um, you know, guys that are, are playing in the NFL right now uh, from those lines uh, that Ed Warner coached, 
this unit right now looks much more um, consistent in terms of execution. And when they make contact, there's a there's significant movement. They are really driving defensive linemen off the ball. And uh, for all of Washington's shortcomings, you know, th- their defense is, is traditionally very strong and, and was very strong even in the loss in week one. And they have uh, legitimate size and NFL size um, on their defensive line, and uh, especially on the interior. So, um, just just huge, huge hat tip to um, the offensive linemen and uh, and to the new offensive line coach Sharon Moore. As of right now, I think you have to give him, um, you know, the most improved or. or, or breakout star that we kind of talked about in the preseason i I think uh if we could go back i would change that that segment to to be talking about sharon moore because it's a big question mark for us obviously when you switch from a a proven commodity like ed warner a very good offensive line coach we had lots of questions and i think that was um reasonable but so far so good i think he's been great well and you have to wonder too i mean there was a question of you had running backs coach Mike Hart coming back, and it's always great to have a, a, a superstar return to the team, uh, return to Ann Arbor and, and, and be a coach. And he had had success at Indiana, but you were wondering how it was going to translate here. And so far, it's translated very well. You know, you had Blake Corum ending up with 171 yards and uh, Hassan Haskins ending up with 155. I mean, you know, this is the second straight game where they just rolled. And, uh, again, just nice to see, you know, uh, in the preseason, we'd heard a lot of talk about that Michigan wanted to reestablish the run. And, you know, I, I, I think after two games, and, again, you can only play who's on your schedule. And I think we, we all anticipated Washington to be uh, a sterner test. But at this point, again, Michigan went out, did what they needed to do, and, you know, it's interesting to hear um, the effect that the running game had. You know, both uh, Hassan Haskins and Blake Corum spoke, and uh, Jim Harbaugh and Ryan Hayes and Josh Ross all talked about what it was like to see the running game uh, kind of tear the way it did. How can you continue to produce on the ground knowing that teams might try and stack the box or, or do anything they can to stop you guys after the type of games you've had the last two weeks? Uh, I mean, I, I believe they started to stack the box tonight, um, yeah, it's just, you know, and we, we we kept running it. It's a mindset thing, you know. We gonna we gonna do our jobs, show sure, no matter what happens, uh, we gonna make something happen. So I mean, it's it's not a matter if they stack the box tonight. It's if you can stop it, you know. What I mean, I, I, have, I have faith in my offensive line that they're gonna fire up the ball and do their job. So if you can't stop our offensive line, then stacking the box wouldn't really matter. Yeah, going into the going into the game, it was uh, we're not going to be win, we're not going to win by by throwing the ball outside of the numbers and you know uh, you know those those corners are are really good. So I mean we're, we were going to fare a lot better you know throwing running the ball 52 times than we would have uh, thrown it 52 times. Our, our, our guys are good and they came up with the plays when they had to and um, and you know they didn't stop the running game so. And, um, you know, we knew they had a good defense. I mean, the defense, you watch the Montana game, I mean, 
their defense played played extremely well. But um, told you we're going to lean on Hassan and, and Blake. I mean, they're they're just they're that good too, you know. So um, and we got good we got good players uh, in the passing game. We know our guys can can uh, can catch the ball, run routes. We can throw it. Uh, but yeah, it was just it was just so good in the running game that I felt like it felt good to. So they take it away. Uh, we knew coming into this game that we wanted to run the ball and wanted to run it down their throat. You know, with backs like we got, it makes it pretty easy for the O-line. So we knew going into this game we were going to run the ball as much as we could because we knew they couldn't really stop it. Front row left, Andy Lee. Brian, that was sort of the question I was going to ask you. I mean, you said before the season you wanted the identity to be yeah. physical and run the ball down the throat. Did you have this in mind, though? I mean, did you see this coming? I mean, this is what we, yeah, this is what we envisioned happening. Obviously, we didn't play perfect tonight by any means, but the, with the backs we have, you know, we can make mistakes and it gets covered up by them. They can make mistakes and gets covered up by us. So it's just we're working well together right now, but we get, still got a long ways to go until, yeah, a long ways to go. Okay, middle aisle, Brian. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Ryan, I apologize. You're here. Michael, you're up now. Uh, Ryan, when, when you guys are in the huddle and the calls keep coming in from Coach Gaddis and it's just run, 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 you and the offensive linemen look around at each other and just, and just smile? Yeah, we, we, we got really excited today because we knew they were getting defeated towards the end of the game, and we just kept hitting them and hitting them and hitting them. And Coach, it was really nice to get those play calls keep going. We didn't go away from it like we might have in the past. We just kept going at them, and it worked. So the way they did today. I mean, as a defense, you can speak to that perspective of what it's like when, when the offense is running the ball that way. We love it. We love it. Like, we love when we see the offense coming off the ball, see A2 trucking people, see Blake trucking people, make, you know, making moves, see the O-line, see Ryan up there in the trenches grinding because, like, the game is starting one in the trenches, and we all know that. So, like, it's really, really good to see that. Yeah, and... and- it's it's nice to see guys uh, allowed to shine, right, and supporting each other, even even as they compete for for playing time. You know the the the, the running back duo of uh, Blake Corum and Hassan Haskins really each bring uh, a unique skill set uh, to the game and, and really complement each other in a way that I think we're, we're seeing uh, have an effect on, on how defenses play. Uh, against our run game you know and we laughed uh we were watching from home of course because my son's birthday was saturday and i was watching with uh with my family and said you know everybody says thunder and lightning you know for for running backs you know but there's got to be something else there's got to be something that we can come up with and uh the favorite uh, of what was suggested was boom and zoom and i said that that's perfect that's perfect because haskins is just pounding, pounding, pounding away. Very similar to Le'Veon Bell um, for for Michigan State, and then when he was at his best with the Steelers in the NFL, where he's very patient and and makes the correct cut, and then keeps his legs churning. And, and a, a two yard run, what looks like a two yard run, turns into a five yard run, and what looks like a five yard run usually turns into a ten yard run. And that those kind of hidden yards and just wearing down on the defense has an effect. And then the, the, the home run hitter or the, the big play guy with Corum, um, you know, comes in and, and immediately, you know, your angles are different for that guy, you know, coming up to try to really 
bring your shoulder pads and hit Hassan Haskins is one thing, you know, thinking like a safety or a linebacker, preparing yourself to meet Haskins in the hole and, and churn your legs and try to try not to get run over. That's one thing, but, but, you know, and then Corum's in there and it's much more about angles and making sure that you don't get beat to the edge like that safety did on the 67 yard touchdown. So you really have to keep track as a defender of which guys in the backfield because, you know, they have a significant different uh, style that, that, like I said, I think complements each other and makes it harder on the defense. One thing that I noticed, you were mentioning the success of the offensive line, and one of the things you could see change as the, as the game wore on as the, and as Michigan continued to pound that defensive line of, of the Washington Huskies, Michigan was successfully moving the line of scrimmage further and further down the field. And what that does is it allows both backs to kind of hit the hole with some steam, right? Um, you know, allowed them to take some different angles. And if they did get hit, if there was a hand on them, they would just blow right through. So definitely kudos to the offensive line. Uh, definitely uh, a nice change. You know, you and I have had discussions about how even in past years, while we were a fan of, of some of the things that Ed Warner had done, some of the statistics did not back up Michigan really being a great running team and, and having having as much success as they potentially could. So I think there was some question heading into this season about if there was going to be a drop-off or an improvement, and so far there's been a definite improvement. I, I agree with that 100%. And I have one one other kind of shout out at least for me uh, in terms of, of what we've seen these first two weeks and that's the interior of of the defense now i think we all i think we all had a very high expectations for aiden hutchinson and he gets a lot of the media attention rightfully so he was absolutely unblockable right and, and there's nothing that i can say that hasn't been said and shown uh on the broadcast these first two weeks but the interior of that defense the the, the tackles and nose guards up front starting with mozzie smith a little bit of chris hinton but also guys like mike morris and uh chris jenkins that you know were in the two deep but we didn't really know how big a role they play those guys are really really uh effective right now number one eating up blocks really playing physically without getting blown off the line of scrimmage it's like we were talking about with the offensive line that so far has not happened to the defensive line and, and you can't say that Going back the last couple years um, under Don Brown, we really struggled with uh, not getting blown back off the ball on the interior. We were kind of undersized. So those guys uh, have made just a huge improvement, and I think that's probably the biggest difference right now between last year's defense, the year before that even, in 19, and, and today. And then also from week one to week two, the biggest improvement that I saw just on watching the game and then rewatching again was uh, the linebacker play. I think Josh Ross uh, was, was probably the player of the game. He had the most tackles. I think I saw 11 tackles total leading the team. And, uh, and, and something that's very encouraging is you, you had a true freshman linebacker in there playing in the first quarter, not uh, injury related that I know of, but that that's a guy that was an early enrollee in junior Colson that um, is playing uh, meaningful snaps against your, you know, your first real power five opponent 
uh, of the season when the game's still, you know, zero zero at that point. So I think the interior of that defense um, and their performance, and then the willingness of this coaching staff to really rotate guys through on the two deep and, and build experience and depth in the program is, is right now what I am most excited about on, on this defense. And the reason that I think, um, even though they've started fast and I would say they're ahead of schedule, I still think this defense is going to continue to improve um, in these next three, four weeks. What I noticed about the defense is very similar to what we saw on the offensive line. They just punished the Washington offense, just kept coming and coming and coming and, and just physically dominated. And and that's the thing that, you know, they're going to come up against different schemes. They're going to come up against players who have more talent than perhaps they did versus versus Washington. But that physicality is what will win the day, right? And I thought they looked very conditioned. I thought that, um, again, you had Aiden Hutchinson, who is just all over the place. And, you know, definitely somebody who is thriving in this new scheme. Although I think watching him play, I think he would he would thrive in any scheme. Mm-hmm. He definitely is. He is the player who every offense, every opposing offense from here out will have to account for on every play mm-hmm. every play the uh you know the quarterback on the other team is going to be looking at where he's lining up what he's doing and and who's going to try and handle him and i say try because he is truly a force of nature out there and a, a joy to watch absolutely i i can't can't say it strongly enough i mean like i the praise has been uh, effusive toward aiden Hutchinson, and it's deserved it right now so uh, and then the, the final thought for me, um, especially circling back to Hutchinson, is that the, the, the attitude, the, 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 the supposed positive culture change, and uh, the player leadership that we've talked about um, many times, uh, a lot of times negatively, and, and kind of pointing at it as a reason for, for some of the struggles that the program has had so far has been another huge difference on this 21 team as compared to the 20 team. Now winning tends to cure all ills. You know, it's easy to be, uh, you know, upbeat when when you're winning by three scores and four scores in in your first two games. So uh, our conversation from last week about adversity still kind of rings true, but I really, really, really like um, the tone that uh, we hear coming out of Schneckler Hall through the week, the media availability, post-game press conferences, laser focus, hearing Harbaugh say that you don't have to talk these guys into doing the reps at practice or, or, or doing what's necessary. These guys love football and they love um, putting the work in that they're doing. And, and we're seeing a lot of the, the benefits be reaped. Um, and, and I think that starts with, with the player leadership and especially uh, guys like Aiden Hutchinson. Well, it wouldn't be Michigan football without there being some hand-wringing among the media and portions of the fan base. Um, some of the things that came up in, after seeing such a dominant running attack, there were many, including me, I, I made some comments during the game, that questioned if uh, it would have been good to see 
a little bit more in the passing attack, a little more balance. And it's interesting because Coach Harbaugh addressed that today uh, in the Monday press conference. I heard a little bit of noise about, you know, why, why so much uh, running, you know, we're uh, going to throw more, that kind of thing. Um, you know, there's, well, no, there's, there's a lot of ways to travel. I mean, some people choose to travel on the ground, some people by air. Um, George Patton was able to get his, his job done on the ground. Neil Armstrong through the air. Last Saturday night, we chose to grind it out on the ground. And uh, we're also able to get our mission accomplished. A lot of ways to expand, you know, play action. There's, uh, and you want your opponent to, to know and you know, understand that there, there are multiple ways to, and they know, to travel. So, Clint, what are your thoughts on the whole run versus pass debate and, and uh, you know, the desire among the fan base and others to see, to have seen more balance on Saturday? Uh, I mean, first of all, it's understandable. Um, you know, the Michigan fan base right now kind of acts like a, a scalded dog in some sense, right? And for for a large majority of the fan base, nothing matters until you prove that we're back on level footing with Ohio State and and back toward, uh, you know, trying to win Big Ten championships at the end of the season and multiple seasons in a row. So that high standard, of course, is something that you and I, also carry with us and, and, and think that that's the correct standard for the program. Um, so I get it. I get it when when you see a number like 44 yards passing for a game, you know, the, the, the reflexive reaction is certainly that that's not good enough. I, I understand that. But let's, you know, some other overarching context, right, is this team clearly stated that they had they wanted to come out and establish – a, uh, a a physical running attack as uh, as the core of their identity on offense, and, and it's pretty clear that that they're committed to that. They said it, and they're doing it, and I think that there's value in that, and that'll reap benefits um, in multiple games, right? And, and just because that's the core of your identity doesn't mean that you're always going to be so one-sided. This certainly was one of the most one-sided. Uh, play calling performances that we've seen when, when you look at the the ratio of run plays to pass plays but in the context of uh, establishing the identity early in the season I think it makes sense and then the other context that I think is has been mentioned but is also accurate is that well Washington wasn't stopping the run they play a safety 20 yards off the ball so Instantly, you're going to have trouble with anything really over the top the way that we saw Michigan um, blow the lid off the top uh, in week one against Western. Um, they already played that safety back at, at 20 yards sometimes and 15 yards. And when he crept up, he crept up to 15 or 12 yards, but not in the box at, at five, six, seven yards deep. It wasn't the same kind of reaction from the defense. And also that Washington defense's strength is in their secondary. They have, you know, uh, first-round pick talent uh, at one cornerback for sure with McDuffie, but likely going to have two or three guys drafted uh, on that two deep out of their secondary, uh, either this year or next year. Um, so when 
you're trying to establish a, a run first identity and the other team is not stopping it. Um, and you're avoiding the strength of their defense. All of those things kind of come together to, to say, okay, we're, this is what we're going to do. And I'll tell you, um, the last bit that I'll say on this is it was clear that at halftime that there was a, a sort of a challenge laid out from the coaching staff to the players that said, all right, let's go see if you guys are good enough to just run the ball straight down the throats of the Washington Huskies and put this game away. It's 10-0. to zero. It's a close game. We get the ball. Let's see if we can just run the ball down the field, punch it in the end zone, and put this thing on ice. And they come out and 75-yard, eight plays, touchdown. All eight plays are, are called runs. You know, and that's that's a different level of establishing dominance. And, and there's there's more to it than, you know, balance. And you're going to need more than that to beat Ohio State and, and all of that. That was very much a, a, a challenge to your to your offensive group and especially those linemen and those those running backs to uh, to really go seize the bull by the horns and 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 show Washington who was boss. And, and they did. And the result of the game was. You know, Washington was was never functionally back in the game after that. So one thing that I noticed that I wanted to mention was you mentioned the uh, the talent that Washington has as far as potential draft picks. One thing that jumped out to me being at the game was there was a larger contingent of NFL scouts there. Um than would normally normally be expected for this early in the season. It's not unusual for the last couple games of the season for there to be a fair number of NFL scouts uh, in the press box. Uh, you know they're, they're very conspicuous. They don't. Uh, they're not too stealthy, right? I was very surprised heading into this game to see the list of of uh, and number of scouts. Okay, so so that's not something that I wanted to mention. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention is, you know, I almost hate to say this, right? Because in listening to um, talk radio and, and seeing things on Twitter, there are, you know, Michigan is a lightning rod, right? Win, lose, draw, they're always going to get a lot of attention. Jim Harbaugh's always going to get a lot of attention. And there are people who will, who have an ax to grind, who will, find anything negative, you know, you and I have talked about, um, you know, uh, the slant that the free press has taken and in some cases, and specifically I'm thinking talk radio here, that there are people on, on Detroit media just beating the drum about how this was a monumental screw-up by Jim Harbaugh and in not throwing the ball. And so here's what I feel bad about. I somewhat agree, but not to the degree. Okay, like I don't think it's it's the uh, the monumental screw up. You know, I always uh, when I look at these games, I always try to think about what I would say if I was part of the coaching staff. You know, um, what I would say, hey, this was great, but it would have been great if we could have. Right. And what I was thinking during the game was, okay, we got the running game down. Okay. We, you know, we, we are running that. We got that locked up, right? We got the, we have the offensive line. They are just pounding them to a pulp. So what I would have liked to have seen if 
if if okay, so if Michigan had said, "Hey, we're going to run the ball, we're going to cramp it down their throat," and, and I agree with you, I think that's what they decided to do. What I would have liked to have seen was a little more uh, uh, different combination of running backs, right? Like I think primarily it was the Michigan offensive line. I would have liked to have seen uh, Donovan Edwards get a few more carries, right? Because you have a situation, you're under the lights. It's it's a very unique situation, and I think it would have been good from an experience standpoint to have a, a, a true freshman, you know, get those jitters out of the way in front of the big crowd under the lights, right? The other thing I was thinking is you have a ton of recruits there, right? What better example to say, hey, look, you come to Michigan and you can have an impact, you know, your first year by kind of showcasing a, a freshman getting an opportunity, um, and, and again, I love that they pounded the ball. Listen, I, I love to see the offensive line roll like that. You know, we've heard some of the clips where, uh, you know, the, the team loves seeing it. You know, it is a, a source of domination. It's this is what we're going to do and you can't stop us. I get that. Um, the concern that I have is, you know, um, we're real early in the season and I would have liked to have seen them find a way um, to let Cade uh, throw the ball a little bit more. Again, I, I'm not saying, you know, there are people saying, well, it would have been nice if they had a, a perfect balance between offense and defense. I don't need that. I would have just liked to have seen Cade pass a little bit more. And just understand, I'm drawing a distinction here. There's a lot of people who are going overboard with, you know, criticizing um, Coach Harbaugh. I'm not doing that. This is very clearly in the, it would have been nice, okay, because the other thing that I'm thinking is that, you know, we lost Ronnie Bell. And right now, I don't know who our next top receiver is. So it would have been nice to get a little bit of focus on that. Um, so, again, that's what I was thinking. And, you know, again, I keep coming back to there are a lot of recruits there. And uh, I'm sure, you know, any running back recruits were like, yes, give me more of this, Right. Um, I don't know how the quarterback and, and the, uh, uh, the the wide receiver recruits would have thought about seeing something like this. Now, the the atmosphere was amazing. The maze out was amazing. Um, definitely one of the more successful maze outs I've ever seen. And I think that electricity is going to overwhelm any of the other things. I mean, I think that, um, you know, when you're a recruit, the... Uh, your heart is going to be more moved by the experience of seeing that stadium lit up and seeing Michigan just, you know, roll on a, over, a, over an opponent on national TV. Um, I, I think it's a, a head versus heart discussion. I think that, you know, logically we can talk about, well, it would have been nice to see, but I don't see how anybody could have gone to that game as a recruit and not been incredibly impressed at the atmosphere and, and the pageantry of, of what Michigan football can offer. Yeah, I, I, I have to believe that it was a resounding success. You know, we saw a little bit in, uh, in media, uh, both traditional media and social media on the, the list of recruits that were there yesterday. Yesterday was just an absolutely huge, um, day for, for visits, uh, you know, cause it's, you know, one of the nicest times of the year in terms of weather in Michigan, you know, Saturday was a beautiful day. Um, they, they brought in a lot of their recruits, 
um, that they're recruiting from the state of Washington to that game. And of course, it was it was just the most high profile game uh, on the schedule when they when they were scheduling these visits, right? So there's a lot of reasons that this became the biggest one, and they absolutely executed. You know, they 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 did a great job, like you said, with the atmosphere and and really bringing the entire game day experience to to those families. And then they performed on the field very well. So I I think that uh, it's it's a little bit overblown in terms of play calling and the effect on, on a particular recruit, um, a couple reasons, right? I think uh, they, they understand even more than, than we do as fans about the flow of a game and, and, and kind of how that works. And, and if you're running the ball, they're, they're going to continue to do it until they stop you. But also I think it's, it's a more visceral reaction, you know, big hits on the sidelines and, and big defensive plays and offensive linemen coming off the ball and really driving guys backwards. The, the positives of that that we talk about, you really feel that on the sideline when, when you're standing on the sideline as a, as a high school kid and watching you know, the, the, the bigger guys really go out there and execute a game plan like that. So there's, there's a lot of positives in terms of uh, you know, what, you're, what message you're sending to recruits also, even if they're wide receiver recruits, quarterback recruits. And, and those guys. So I would say it's a resounding success. I think a little bit of the play calling criticism. Again, I understand it from a, a Michigan fan context, but uh, the game context, the season context are really what, what are more important. Um, but those concerns about being able to pass the ball in the correct situations, especially in a different game, in a different defensive context, I'm fine with calling that a, a yellow flag and putting up a warning and saying, hey, okay, fine, not in that game, not against Washington in that context, but uh, in some other game, right? N- not necessarily what's coming up here, um, but th- you're going to see the scenario where you have to be able to back guys out of the box because teams are going to bring eight and nine guys up near the line of scrimmage and really um, you know, put the, put the ball back into – Cade McNamara's hands and, and make him beat the defense. And, you know, when Western Michigan did that, Cade uh, executed, you know, and, and only had two incompletions in his first game. So it's it, from game to game, you're, you're going to get a lot of variation. This is two very, very wide variations in terms of play calling um, for games that, that were so out of, uh, out of reach, but, I'm most encouraged in terms of play calling from what we saw in the first week when they put the game uh, into garbage time in the third quarter. They brought in the freshman quarterback, J.J. McCarthy, and really ran their pass offense with first-team linemen, first-team receivers, gave McCarthy those reps. Um, And I think they they understand that they're going to have to be able to to, to bring out the passing game in, uh, in the right context. And it'll be a lot more frequent than, than folks are worried about right now. I don't think that it's all incumbent on, on getting the backup in there, right? I know Kate McNamara is very capable of executing the offense that Josh Gaddis wants to run. So uh, see, again, I, I don't want to, you know, it's got to be this coming game against Northern Illinois or, or the following week against Rutgers because you know what? It's very possible that we hand the ball off 50 times in a row if, if those teams aren't stopping it either. So, you know, brace yourself for that. <laughs> but, you know, we'll, we'll keep our eyes peeled, you and I, Phil, 
for when the game context and when the, what the defense is giving you, um, they're clearly selling out to take away the run. Then if Michigan is still running into a stack box in that context, then I would, I would have the same concerns that we're hearing, but, but not right now. One thing that crossed my mind after watching Ohio State, Ohio State has had trouble stopping the run so far this season. And again, very early, but that's one thing that, that crossed my mind. And, you know, the other thing is that, you know, there are people who are expressing some doubt about Cade McNamara, and Coach Harbaugh uh, gave him a pretty strong endorsement during the uh, press availability today. How do you feel about Cade McNamara's performance on Saturday? Uh, like, like I just said, I mean, he's uh... – He's really become the coach on the field. Uh, does a tremendous job, and uh, you know he executed uh, pretty darn well. A couple things, uh, you know, there'll be nobody plays a perfect game. You, know, you strive for it, but uh, you know there's uh, more things to coach. Also, a good thing, um, you know, offense, defense, and special teams. But thought he thought he uh, thought he turned in another real solid performance. I don't think there's any question in Coach Harbaugh's mind that um, Cade McNamara is the guy, and I think that you know he he was doing uh, he was making you know gave a quote to basically try to stem some of the criticism. So you know, Clint, one of the things that came up is obviously last season was was a write-off, right? Last season was just an outlier, a disaster. Um, but it's interesting because some of the players um, and, and Coach Harbaugh were asked, you know, what's different, right? Like, what is different? Um, you know, what's the difference? You know, Hassan Hoskins, Blake Corum, Jim Harbaugh, you know, they had some thoughts on that. Everyone's just um, doing their job. You know, no one's uh, bull crapping around, I would I guess you could say. Yeah. Everyone's taking it real serious. Everyone's taking it personal. And everyone just wants to get better each and every day. Um, and iron sharpens iron. So, I mean, me and H2, we sharpen each other. The offensive line, they sharpen each other. Offense and D, uh, D-line, they sharpen each other at practice. You know, so uh, it's really just a mindset thing and, uh, you know, the, the approach to it and just holding each other accountable in everything we do. If someone slips up, we tell them, hey, bro, get back on the right track. And yeah. so that's it. And you've noticed it through the game. Too. Oh, for sure. I almost yeah, you, you, can, you can tell. You know, like, like you said, I believe we went, what, three and out, you guys said? Uh, three and out, you know, they held us accountable to it. All right, we, we know the sport drive, y'all going to score, mm-hmm. you know. No, I just, I, I, you know, just a, a bunch of guys that really like football. Um, you know, just it's a tremendous amount of players that, that really like it. Uh, I mean, they they love training, they like they love practice, uh, or at least they like it a lot. And uh, I like football players like like football, and these are, these are the kind of guys that, uh, I mean, you don't have to talk them into it. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's, that makes me happy. You know, I'm happy being around, around players like that and, and coaches like that. And, you know, just the, whole, just the whole culture is, you know, just like that, made up of a bunch of guys like that. So, Clint, what's your observation on what we've seen different so far? Well, I, I think we're seeing um, kind of a, a manifestation of what we heard 
in a lot of the offseason. And I, I think, you know, we're going to have to go back and dig out the clip uh, of our conversation after Harbaugh signed his contract extension and then went to the uh, to the high school coaching clinic here in Michigan and uh, kind of put his own personal objectives and, and, and personal goals up on a slide. And, and we talked about it, uh, kind of a low content part of the season. But really, you know, let's go back and talk about what, what he had as a vision right there after taking a, a, an essential 50% pay cut and, and, and being uh, downgraded to, uh, you know, something like the 34th highest paid coach in, in FBS uh, in terms of football coaches. And, uh, you know, what he was talking about was, was coaching, um, you know, w- with passion is something that he's always had at the core of, of what he wanted to do. But he said not being not coaching in fear of losing his job. Right. And, and that struck uh, both you and I then. And I think we're seeing, you know, that vision or, or mission really um, um, manifested as what's really at the core of, of what we're hearing and seeing in terms of culture change, right? It's it's remembering that, that you should be uh, enjoying not only football games, but, but the, you know, the, the camaraderie and, and the relationships and the, and the, the common struggle that, that's kind of all embodied by by football practice and camp and uh you know the the positive of of getting everybody to the stadium and and kind of engaging the students and and the campus and all all of the really great things about the sport and and especially at a program like like michigan and and in a place like ann arbor um i i think that there's they remembered that that stuff matters you know, and I think Jim Harbaugh remembers that that stuff matters. And and when things are going well, again, winning cures all ills, and, and really maintaining this culture in the face of adversity is going to be key. But I I think that's the biggest difference between what we're seeing right now and what had kind of slid in the last few seasons, not just the anomaly of last year, but but even into 19 and 18, is that it it, it seemed a little bit more wrote or um you know task oriented and that it was much more of a um you know a a robotic mission that that you know this is what i do and this is how you can be great is that you just kind of go ram yourself into the wall over and over again and eventually you're great and and the feeling now i think is, is much more built on what we hear from the coaches talking about being relationship based in recruiting and being relationship based in in their coaching and, and putting, you know, being great teachers and great leaders and, and, and holding each other accountable and all of the coach speak that you can pick up on, uh, on a media availability day, you know, it's all true when you're actually doing it. Now coaches all put that out there as that's what's important, but you can tell when it's happening and you can certainly tell when it's not happening. And I think if, if I had to point at, one kind of nebulous thing. I, I would say that I think they've got it rolling right now in terms of leadership and, and positive energy and enthusiasm from the from the top top man all the way through the staff, the the player leaders starting with the captains and and down to uh, you know the the freshmen and the support staff holding it, holding themselves all accountable. That's that's a big deal. So one of the things that I noticed uh, in availability. 
um, quarterback coach uh, Matt Weiss was wearing a shirt that said "Chase the Lion," right? And it's a saying from a a motivational book. And if you look up the motivational, you look up this book on Amazon. One of the endorsements is from John Harbaugh, right? And uh, you know, very close relative of Jim Harbaugh. And um, you know, Matt was asked about it, and he's like, you know, you, you go after what you want, okay? So it's interesting that, you know, one of the things that I see in this um, team is that, you know, in the offseason, Harbaugh came back, he signed that contract, and he made Ohio State a priority again. And it's, hey, listen, if we're going to get anywhere, we need to get by Ohio State. There's no ducking it. There's no minimizing it. And. You know, I think that's kind of their equivalent of chasing the lion, right? Just saying, hey, listen, they're calling out what they need to do. And, you know, you make a good point. Listen, football isn't a job, right? You know, if they go to the NFL, it's a job, right? There should be a joy in playing. There should be a joy in experiencing what you see at a a venue like we saw during the maze out, right? And listen, it's more fun to win than lose, so if this team has a new spirit, a um, it's just interesting listening to the players. And, of course, winning has a lot to do with it, but there's a swagger. There is a, a fun, right? And uh, I think that's the biggest difference. And, you know, there are going to be difficult times in this season. There are going to be um, difficulties coming up. You know, we already saw Ronnie Bell go out. But I think it was very telling to see on Saturday, Ronnie Bell out there encouraging his teammates, you know, being out there, being out on the field during warmups and, you know, still being a part of the team and, and showing that he was still committed and still a member of the team and still invested in their success, even if it, he wasn't going to directly be a part of it. And I think that that says something. I think that says something for the spirit of this team. I think it says something for um, the resiliency that I, I think they're going to be able to show and I hope they're going to be able to show. So, you know, if everybody's biggest criticism is so far is that Michigan's running the ball and pounding people into the ground too much, well, okay, I'll, I'll go with that. Exactly right. You know, the, um, I, I acknowledge those concerns. I, I think that, uh, again, context matters, but um you know, you, you know. Also, prepare yourself because uh, Northern Illinois is probably the the weakest team on the schedule, at least from what we see right now. And uh, we very well might see uh, another seventy eight percent run plays. You know, so you know, if, if you hate that, I can understand that it's okay. But if the scoreboard, um, you know, tells the same kind of story and Michigan's win, you know, by thirty points plus, then uh, you know, it's, it's hard to argue that it's hard to argue with the scoreboard, you know, and, and we've said that in a negative sense with uh, Harbaugh's shortcomings, especially against rivals, you know, being only three and three against Michigan state and having not, not having beaten Ohio state, you know, that matters. That's a big deal. You know, it's a results oriented business for him, especially, um, you know, but the same thing applies when he's putting up, you know, 40 points and, and, nobody can stop the ground game. So, you know, results matter. 
and, and you know come see come see what's going on in, in a tight game in the third quarter and it's third and long right and, and if uh, we still can't pass the ball in that context then you know I'll, I'll be the first one saying that there's a problem i want to take this opportunity to remind our listeners if you enjoy our podcast please subscribe on itunes pandora or um anywhere else you get your your podcast at and again if you have any questions for us please tweet at us um that's going to do it for this edition of the umgoblue.com podcast this is phil callahan along with clint derringer go blue thank you for listening to the umgoblue.com podcast all rights reserved search for umgoblue.com on iTunes. Go Blue!